Blog Talk Radio. listeners in the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jackie Laura Jones, here with you on the first and third Tuesday now of every month for True Forgiveness Teachings. This is a podcast where we discuss the spiritual teachings of A Course in Miracles. So I wanted to announce that again, that instead of every week, I will be doing this broadcast on the first and third Tuesday of every month. I'll be bringing some new material um, to everyone in a different format later this year. So we're working on that. And I had a couple of quick announcements before we get into our awesome show today. I will be doing a webinar on August 16th called Waking Up from the Dream of Fear. So this webinar will be chock full of stuff, including just an intro to the course's teachings, why the course says our scripts are written, what that means for us, and techniques to use throughout the day to keep you miracle-ready instead of judgment-ready as we're waking up from this dream of duality, as we're waking up to the oneness we never really left. So is it possible to navigate our daily lives in peace? Well, Course in Miracles says that we can (laughs) in this process of awakening. And so we'll go over that. And all that that, um, information will be on my website. It's up now, Jackie.News. And also, our good friend Maria Felipe was kind enough to interview me for Live Your Happy TV. We talk about uh, wonderful course principles. Um, that interview will be posted on my website too, but it's on YouTube right now. If you type in Maria Felipe, F-E-L-I-P-E, and Jackie Laura Jones, it'll come up, so I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, and welcome to any new listeners that we have. I, for Our topic for today is going to be awesome with my wonderful guest. He's back with us. His name is Alex Marchand. He's the author of Universe is a Dream and the Universe is Virtual. You can find him at alexandermarchand.com, Alexander, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D.com. And we are continuing a discussion that we had in April on why some things seem harder to forgive than others. We're going to discuss the first law of chaos in A Course in Miracles. Welcome back, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me back. got to finish up. (laughs) <laughs> that's right I it was my fault I, I emailed Alex and I thought you know I said we're going to do a, a part two to this and things get so hectic yeah. and I was looking at it and I said oh my gosh it's time so it's, it's been a few weeks but this is great and I I thought we'd review the ego's first law of chaos and that is really it says that the truth is different for everyone. So this principle evolves from the belief that there's a hierarchy of illusions, that some are more valuable and therefore true. So the ego made up a world of form, as we know, to keep us asleep and chasing after our salvation in the world. So we obviously believe that some things are better or worse than others because that's what we experience here. However, the Course is teaching that an illusion 
is an illusion is an illusion. And they're all forgiven in the same way because they're untrue. Um, so that's why my topic is always let's turn the tables on the ego, right? And and let's get into this. So, um, G- Alex, where would you okay. like to start? Okay. Well, I'll, I just I remember where I was kind of going when we left off last time, so I'll just go from there. So Fantastic. Like, last time, yeah, last time uh, we. Okay, we talked a lot about the law, the first law of chaos. And, you know, I talked about the golden rule and we talked about how, you know, forgiving the news and politics is very much in, linked in with the first law of chaos. Correct. So, <laughs> so what I was going to get into is um, the concept of entropy and survival. Okay, so. Nice. All, all forgiveness lessons are they're they're related to the concept of entropy. That's why um, in my book, The Universe is Virtual, I say that that entropy is fear. Entropy is the manifestation on the level of form of sin, guilt, and fear. Mm-hmm. And um, all all the laws of chaos are really about entropy because that's kind of the guiding thing ruling this universe. Um. The first law of chaos is essentially about information entropy. Uh, Due to information entropy, none of us are working off of the same model of the world. Entropy in in terms of of physics is described in the second law of thermodynamics, which states that the amount of energy available to do work in a closed system decreases with time and therefore entropy increases with time. Um, From a spiritual perspective, the birth of entropy was the birth of the idea of the separation from oneness, the birth of duality. Um, Entropy is just a faulty belief and the world we made in an attempt to substitute oneness is haunted by entropy. Zero entropy is oneness, and maximal entropy is no more energy available to do work, which is total equilibrium, which is basically a default return to oneness. Um, The dream will end. Uh, Illusion is subject to entropy, and it has to be because otherwise illusion would be real and infinite. Illusion is finite, and entropy is the clue to that fact. Um, It's a physics clue in our universe to that fact. So in the worldly ego realm, basic survival revolves around combating entropy. Um, Bodily death means equilibrium with your environment. So we want disequilibrium and we want plenty of disequilibrium to spare. There's this MIT physicist named um, Jeremy England, okay. who, who in the last few years has been proposing the same basic idea that I, I've been talking about for like the last 15 years, which is that biology and evolution is a system of energy dissipation which leads to finding ever more efficient ways of dissipating energy from the environment 
to maintain special pockets of um, lower entropy. Those special pockets of lower entropy become bodies, and bodies are the hiding places from the rest of our mind, whereby we can experience the content of our mind externally. So the entropy we let infect our mind is uh, projected as the world, and forgiveness is the mental entropy eradicator. So when we are focused on the world of form, we tend to get sucked into focusing on combating the physical manifestations of our mental entropy, which gets us focused on the goal of survival, which revolves around getting at least a little more than is given. And ideally, to be safe, we stockpile more than we need. Um, that gets into the fourth and fifth laws of chaos, which are about how it's a kill or be killed world um, in physics. Right. In physics, the second law of thermodynamics shows that to lower entropy one place requires uh, raising it for the system as a whole. So survival makes us all inherently selfish. And it would be nice if things weren't like that, but that's the difference between oneness and the universe. If, if anyone out there has um, transcended selfishness on the level of form and thus transcended the second law of thermodynamics, um, please release your entropy-free clean energy source to the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not holding my carbon dioxide-laden breath on that one, though, because total peace, on the level of form is not a thing in this universe. The universe was made for conflict, special bonding and special separation, not peace. Peace is the release of the universe, but delusions of peace on the level of form are possible. In fact, they are an ever-growing industry, really. Um, People pay to keep the messy violence inherent in the world unconscious. People pay both governments and private industry for that service. So say um, you're a vegan because you feel bad about eating animals. And since there are people who will grow and sell plants for you to eat, you can remain unconscious of all the entropic violence that goes into getting your vegan food. You can keep unconscious all the, the animals, bugs, even people killed and hurt, um, the negative environmental impacts that were present in the supply chain of getting your vegan diet to your fridge. And and you can keep um, unconscious all the defensive action and threats of violence to those who would try to disrupt or steal from the supply chain. So overall, you can be unconscious of um, all the collateral damage of the supply chain of simply getting some plants to eat, you know, into your fridge. But if you are really cognizant, if you're really cognizant of all the violence and entropy inherent in the supply chain, going out and doing something like cutting um, a chicken's head off to make dinner and avoid starvation for another day would seem like nothing really. And conversely, there there are a lot of people who eat animals just because they never have to get their hands dirty and kill for the meat. You know, there, there is always that moment in a contemporary childhood where 
you learn that you are eating a cow or a pig rather than just a hamburger or a bacon. And that's from being detached from the reality of survival on this planet and instead outsourcing the dirty work. Um, right. Yeah, so the, the world is not heaven. It is messy and violent, and people are selfish. And yes, people are generous, too, and there's good stuff. You know, that's duality. But people only tend to be generous to the extent that they have abundance to spare, which does make sense in the chaotic laws of the world. Um, even if people, if, even if people uh, follow the golden rule, the world would still be messy. The first law of chaos would keep people fighting and people would still be selfish. Um, you know, I often think about people like um, Andrew Carnegie, uh, Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, Edison, Ford. They all managed to make big things happen. And they were all uh, pretty ruthless in their pursuits. And they pretty much had to be to do the stuff they did. I mean, you have to be rather ruthless to do anything big in this world because you are constantly fighting against all kinds of entropy, trying to work against what you are trying to accomplish. Conversely, a guy like um, Tesla was not very ruthless. And so despite his accomplishments, he never got to a tycoon status or anything like that. Um, I'm personally more like uh, Tesla. I don't want the hassle of building and maintaining a big system of uh, lower entropy. Um, <laughs> like a body, a business is a system of energy dissipation that tries to minimize entropy for itself, but it also tries to minimize entropy for those who buy its products. Um, a good business is like a vacuum of low entropy that sucks in money. Money represents a claim to lower entropy, which is why people want money. Um, people pay money for access to the lower entropy a business provides. Um, in that sense, there is one product everyone is selling and buying in an economy. That product is lower entropy. Um, that lower entropy is often authentic in terms of thermodynamics, but it can still, it still can be also um, simply perceptual. Um, to do the opposite and buy and sell higher entropy is not sustainable because it leads to death. And the beauty of an economy is that as long as the participants agree to no force and thus agree to the golden rule, an economy is a self-organizing and self-correcting, sustainable, lower entropy generator. Um, force introduces higher entropy into the system and messes things up, though, um, which, which contributes to you know, a lot of misguided negative sentiments about economics. Um, economics is one of my personal main interest. And I, I've been studying the subject since I was a teenager. Yes, um, I know. You're very yeah. well versed in it. <laughs> Economics is uh, essentially the system uh, human society uses to more efficiently dissipate energy and lower entropy for survival of the species and individuals. Um, 
there's this quote I keep by my work desk by um, the free market economist Murray Rothbard. And uh, the quote goes, it is no crime to be ignorant of economics, which is, after all, a specialized discipline and one that most people consider to be a dismal science. But it is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in this state of ignorance. So, you know, I, I like wow, that. Wow, interesting. It, yes. It gets into uh, the first law of chaos because, um, well, there's lots of views um, of how to run society. And, um, you know, our societies really are focused on economics. You know, that's without money, we all starve to death, or the economy, without the economy, we all starve to death. Um, so, right. Oh, my gosh. Let me just. Yeah. Go go over, let me go back for just a second because you have so much awesome packed in information. I just want to break a couple things down. And, oh, my gosh, it's so wonderful to have someone with such a scientific mind put these course concepts in that context for people. I I want to go back to something that you said, Alex, Um, the universe was made for conflict. Yeah. This is really important because to all the listeners out there, the uh, Course in Miracles is not a course in the positive. It's a course in undoing the negative. It's helping us to wake up from this dream of duality, which the course is very clear about that, The ego's motto, the false self that believed it separated, we believe we separated from our creator, the motto, one of them is kill or be killed. (laughs) And that's not a, a happy thought because as Alex is pointing out, we're all here for survival. And then ego's model is also one or the other, right? And we are here and everybody is struggling for survival. And as you've been pointing out, Alex, a lot of this is unconscious to us. What we do, we don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on in the underpinnings, right? right? And what the course would have us do is look at all these things. We start just by the simplicity of looking at, at things that bother us, things that upset us when we want things to be different the way than, than they are. When we start learning about some of these behind the scenes things you're talking about that really do remain unconscious. And mm-hmm. when these things start to bother us or our inner peace is disturbed in any way, that is our clue that we use that to go back to the mind and say, wait a minute, I am dreaming up all of this mess. You know? yeah. And so what do I do? Quote, while I'm having the experience of living in the world, while I know all this, while I know that this is a dream, while I know that I want to wake up from it. And that's the, those are the things that we discuss and will continue to discuss um, in this podcast. And part of the problem is, is that we really believe that everything is going on. And we say that there are differing truths for everyone among people. Mm -hmm. So we have, The truth is the same. The Course is saying the content in the mind, the truth is not different. 
God is and nothing else is. But there are differentiating forms of expression um, of that truth. So, mm-hmm. and your your point too about this is the difference between perfect oneness and the universe, like you say. Perfect oneness is heaven. There's no separation, differences. Everything is peace. All we have is the awareness of our perfect love. But when we seem to separate, oh my gosh, look at the mess that yeah, was right. created because it's the opposite of heaven. Yeah. yeah, it's an attempt to model oneness, which is a doomed a doomed project. You yes. can't make a model of one. You can't make two onenesses. So, okay, so economics. So now obviously when you there's lots of views on economics by lots of different people with various levels of actual knowledge on the subject. And of course there's political separation between what you're supposed to believe about economics. So sure. Sure. And, and personally in my, uh, in my subjective reality um, where the political left always loses me is economics. Um, to be fair, Neither the left nor the right in general tends to really try or appreciate and understand economics, but the right doesn't quite go as far as the left. The right allows plenty of um, government force into the economy through things like the industrial military complex and special rules that give special economic advantages to certain businesses with um, good lobbyists. And, And the right supports all the normal socialized government stuff like cops and firefighters. But the difference between the left and the right is that the right tends to accept the inevitability of inequality in society way more than the left. Um, The left in turn tends to want to use government force to combat inequality, whereas the right sees it as a a lost cause really. Uh, For that reason, the left, you know, blatantly promotes uh, like various forms of socialism, for example. Um, voluntary socialism is great. You know, you don't need government to do that. Voluntary socialism is free market socialism. I'm all for that. But but unfortunately, the socialism the left promotes is forced government gun in your face. I know what's best for you socialism. And socialism is really a war against nature because inequality is the rule in this universe. The entropy game is a game of inequality. Um, The universe rewards those who dissipate energy to make pockets of lower entropy disequilibrium, which tends to make for amplifying feedback loops. That's called um, allocating scarce resources efficiently, and it's also called um, the power law. There is this thing called uh, the 80-20 rule, also known as as the Pareto principle, which is an expression of the power law in statistics. Now, the exact 80-20 ratio is mostly just a metaphor. Uh, The the ratio is really more extreme than 80-20, but it illustrates the power law, which governs the way things work in the universe or don't work if you want to look at it that way, but right. Um, so what the 80, 20 rule demonstrates is that 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. 
And even though we all know that the ultimate cause is mine, you know, on the level of form, this is how things seem to happen. So as an example, 20% of the people control 80% of the wealth, okay? But out of those 20% of people who control 80% of the wealth, 20% of them control 80% of the wealth, and it keeps on going until the limits of human population and wealth uh, put a cap on it. So the 80-20 power law is in operation everywhere. Um, 80% of the work in the world is done by 20% of the people. 80% of the music people listen to is by 20% of the musicians. 80% of uh, the books people read are by 20% of the authors. Um, and, you know, those that exact ratio isn't, you know, necessarily true, but it's, you know, it's the power laws and work and all those things and everything. Just look at the uh, niche of books about A Course in Miracles. Like um, my book, The Universe is a Dream, is probably in the top 20% of A Course in Miracles book. But out mm -hmm. of the top 20% of A Course in Miracles books, its popularity is still minuscule compared to the most popular books. Um, Hay House, A Course in Miracles books tend to occupy the highest echelon because Hay House has a the biggest reach. Yeah. 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 Hay House is a, it's a pocket of low entropy, really. Um, the minor success of uh, my book, The Universe is a Dream, was mostly instigated by the network effect of Gary Renard, not yeah. only by not only by Gary mentioning my book, but also by the fact that a lot of the same people who liked the disappearance of the universe also really liked my book. And so the Amazon algorithm helped sell my book to people interested in Gary's stuff. A Course in Miracles, just to maybe go on a slight tangent to that point, yeah. um, when you're telling people that the, the world isn't real, when you're giving mm -hmm. people the real message of what the Course says, it doesn't mean it's the only way home to God. It's not the best way. It's not the... It just says what it says, and if it's the path for people, it's great. It's a wonderful path. It's certainly not for everyone all at once in this linear illusion. Certainly there are many, and the Course says there are thousands of paths. But it's so interesting that if you actually go out and and tell people, and I have conversations you know, with my family about this. You mentioned Gary Renard for listeners who are just tuning in for the first time. He's my brother-in-law, um, and he wrote, a wonderful book series on A Course in Miracles, Disappearance of the Universe is the first book in that series. Um, and then he also wrote his fourth book, um, The Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other, A History of Mighty Companions. So I encourage everyone to look at the DU trilogy, the Disappearance of the Universe trilogy, and then his fourth book. But back to the point, um, if you're really going out and telling people what A Course in Miracles really says, you won't be as popular <laughs> yes. in the mainstream because it's just hard. I'm not predicting anything what may happen in the future as, as more people are waking up. But it's so true, your point about um, you're going to be more popular if you go out and <laughs> you're not fully <laughs> saying what A Course in Miracles right. is mm -hmm. actually saying because – that it's there is so much ego resistance to this message, isn't there? Yeah, the people that 
that, quote, are teaching the course in a different way. This is nothing to say anything negative about them. They're a representation of all of us in the one mind, of our ego resistance to the message that this is not our true home here because that can be very threatening because the first people, the first thing people say is, well, what's the point, you know? And I've done many podcasts and many course groups and many therapy sessions on what the point is. And it, it, it does matter what we do, meaning how we look at things here. Do we want to wake up from our dream or do we want to further illusions? Do we want to have a peaceful experience above the battleground and reflect the Holy Spirit and Jesus' thought system into the dream while we're here? It's very important what we do here, Um, but in a different way than people think in the world. It's it's important what we do here, right? So that's, that's another show. But the way you're putting all these things in context, I think, is really helpful as a way to people a way for people to look at this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this is my own uh, subjective reality, a way of looking at it. And it's not, you know, there are other ways. But, of course, you know, you the more you triangulate and see see the same thing from different angles, the more, you know, you get a, a sense of what you're really looking at. So Absolutely. The way, so the way things work in this universe is that, Equilibrium is death, disequilibrium is life, and psychologically, the ego mindset is equilibrium in this universe. Like you were saying, you know, the resistance to A Course in Miracles, and then when you get hardcore with it. But what is exceptional in in this universe is the Holy Spirit mindset, you know, in this world is the Holy Spirit mindset, which lets you know that Equality is in heaven, not in illusion. Um, The power law is also called the Matthew effect, where in the Bible it says those who have will be given more. Those who have nothing will get nothing. That's also in the Gospel of St. Thomas. Now, equality, of course, sounds great. It sounds heavenly, you know, awesome. We all agree, you know, it sounds cool, great. However, in practice in this universe, inequality feeds low entropy while equality feeds high entropy. Uh, The inconvenient truth is that inequality fuels innovation. Equality fuels stagnation. So the problem with the pursuit of equality through something like uh, forced socialism is that it eventually fails due to the fact that part of survival is getting more than is given. And so the 80 20 rule applies to socialism too. Like, for instance, in socialized healthcare, you find that most of the healthcare expenses that everyone's paying for are due to a small percentage of the overall population. There are certain diseases like uh, diabetes that dominate the expenses, and also certain scenarios, mainly the fact that most health expenses come right before a person dies in an an attempt to starve off the inevitable a little while longer. So socialism only survives for as long as the get more than is given is subsidized. And in the current world, that extra comes from public debt, also known as future, future generations. It also comes from things like 
trade surpluses if you're in a country lucky enough to have those and from classes of economic martyrs, all of which rely on the productive efficiency of capitalism. Um, public debt only works until interest rates get too high due to less people wanting to buy the debt. And interest rates are currently at a 5,000 year low. So yeah, that, that doesn't bode well for those in debt um, long-term. Um, and the, the economic martyrdom part of it only works if the martyrs don't revolt. Um, that's what the famous yet not necessarily loved by everyone um, Ayn Rand novel Atlas Shrugged is about. Um, inevitably, the people holding up the world decide to start putting it down when they are forced to give more than they get. You know, that's the dynamic behind why forced social system socialism has a, a limited lifespan in practice. Um, the extras needed to get more than give has to come from somewhere. Um, in free market capitalism, which is not to be confused with corporatism, which is where, you know, government force is used to get money, just like forced socialism. But in free market capitalism, to get more than is given is voluntary and so win-win. Uh, due to the first law of chaos, what we value is subjective. And so capitalism puts people together to make deals where the perceived value is more than is given for both sides in the transaction. You don't get that golden rule dynamic in for socialism or corporatism. And so the system is prone to destructive higher entropy feedback. Um, Pricing and capitalism keeps the get versus give sustainable. It's a way of taming the ego, really. In socialism, that becomes what is uh, called the economic calculation problem. Uh, it's also called the socialist calculation problem. Um, I recommend people who are like really believe in socialism uh, that are listening to this to you know go read up on the economic calculation problem um, because. I can tell you from experience that that alone cured me of uh, a belief in the sustainability of socialism in various forms. Um, Interesting. Some are more sustainable than others, but of course, but I'm I'm all for voluntary socialism. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but when it comes down to business, I I got to say just voluntarily let me opt let me opt out voluntarily because even in a world of altruistic saints there would still be the economic calculation problem. And I'm always happy to hear arguments that resolve the economic calculation problem, but I've yet to hear any that I find even remotely believable. Um, Depending on my options, if for instance, my options were between the current hodgepodge corporatist socialist US healthcare system or a pure socialistic system, I would perhaps concede to a socialistic system as being less bad and you know i would accept that but estimates based on what currently exists in the world is that the u.s system is the most expensive the u.s medical system socialists could be as little as half as expensive and a free market system could be one-tenth or even less the price which would make even having private insurance undesirable which you know when i'm given those options in my own subjective view of things hmm what am I going to pick? Well, I'm going to pick the one that's completely the cheapest. 
So right, that's, right. that's the first law of chaos. Now, if you have different information and you're looking at all that, you're going to come to different conclusions, of course. So, this is so interesting. I, you know, when you're saying, you know, equality is not in illusion. And mm-hmm. just look, look, for all the listeners out there, listen to how complicated the ego makes everything. So there's yeah. nothing that we think can permanently work. Right, Alex? Like we mm-hmm. have... Right. All these differing, right, hierarchy of illusions, the ego makes it that way. We have all these differing perspectives. We have people that talk about the perspectives. We have this that will only take you so far. We have this that we say, oh, if only this, I would do that. I would believe Mm -hmm. that. Nothing here is made to work as a solution for us, which goes back to the ego's model seek and do not find, which it it has to be said that this is why the Course teaches that there is one problem. We think we have a myriad of problems, again, because of the hierarchy of illusions and many other things. Our one problem is our belief, the mind's belief, that we are separate from our Creator, the solution Mm -hmm. Is the atonement principle according to the Course, which says nothing's happened. You have not separated. But guess what? We made up this massive holographic time-space projection that we call the world. And now we need to, quote, operate in that world. But we all disagree on how we need to operate in that world. And no one can find a permanent solution to operate in that world. And it's never democratic or republican black or white male female that we go on and on about all these seeming problems when the one problem is our belief that there are many problems you know um instead of just one this separation and i think it can be said again your point about the difference between oneness and the universe right and yeah. we're all unconscious here, and equality is not in the illusion. So what do we do as core students with that information? Well, we forgive. We forgive this mm-hmm. entire dream of separation. The Course in Miracles is giving us a wonderful path for that because it's very difficult to forgive all the corruption, all the things that go on. Of course it would go on in a world of separation. Of course it would go on with the ego's models that this is world is based on an attack on God. And so Alex, I want to make sure that we get through <laughs> this episode. We get to your seven forgiveness tips because we can always use forgiveness tips. And so why yeah. don't we go over those now? Um, okay. So we make sure to get them in before we end our time here okay. together for this episode. Forgiveness in the Course is saying that nothing external to us can take away the peace of God because there's nothing external. What's external? The world is still in the mind that made it. It's a projection coming from the mind. So in the Course in Miracles, we're actually forgiving people for what they have not done because we recognize it's our projection 
and it's an illusion that we made up. We're forgiving because what we're seeing is not true. And we're seeing the content of our own mind projected out there into all these forms and the people that seem to be doing things to us and we seem to be doing it to them. So for sure, we start in the illusion. We start in the world where we believe we are. That's why Jesus uses all of our forgiveness opportunities as a classroom to bring us back to the mind so we can forgive our projected images and ourselves for projecting them. So that's just a little summary. And go ahead, Alex, let's hear your point. Okay, so so these forgiveness tips, they're about um, things to look out for, to be wary of, because um, these things and these tips, um, they usually indicate unforgiveness is at play. So, you know, they kind of uh, help you get past self-deception and help okay, you very also, good. <laughs> and it helps you also not get sucked into other people's unforgiveness. So, which is, nice. you know, you got to concentrate on your own forgiveness lessons. Don't worry about other people's. Um, so last time we talked, I said the first, I'll just reiterate the first two tips, which is, Number one is look out for getting sucked into what I call guilt projection cults, okay? Nice. That's right. That was good. That's what a lot of this stuff is all about. Okay, number two, (laughs) look out for mind reading. Um, Unless you are a mind reader, which, you know, I want to talk to you if you are, if you're a good mind (laughs) reader because you can make some money. Um, So look out for mind reading and... Because mind reading is projection. Because a lot of times you think, well, I know what this person is thinking, and I know they're thinking what they're thinking, and that's why they're bad. <laughs> and right, so right. That's, we that's prejudge that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very <laughs> right. common thing. It happens in all walks of life. So, sure. Okay, now tip three is look out for personal attacks. Okay, if you want to make the personal attack, if somebody wants to make a personal attack against you, in debate, in debate uh, lingo, that's called ad hominem attacks. Um, when you attack the person rather than the person's ideas or arguments, you are in ego preservation mode. Mm. Personal, personal attacks are the result of being unable or unwilling to disagree based on just, you know, logic, uh, you know, the mathematical reasoning. So, you turn to emotional guilt projection instead. And some people are, you know, more logical and less prone to emotional guilt projection than others. But, um, yeah, you just got to watch out for that. <laughs> and nice so, one. Okay, tip four, and I like this one. This one's interesting because you never really think about it. And tip four is um, look out for too many explanations or reasons. Okay, so too many ah, explanations. interesting. Or reasons is often a sign of trying to justify a grievance. One good reason for something is always good enough. Um, multiple reasons is a tell for inner conflict, which shows none of the reasons are really believed to be, or they're not really believed by the person giving the reasons. So now insightful. Yeah, go read the. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. Declaration of Independence sometime, and you'll see that it's a list of reasons, none of which on their own are quite believable, to justify the grievances against the king of Great 
Britain that led to to war, uh, the American Revolutionary War. Of course, now, at the present time, you can also find uh, lots of lists trust, uh, trying to justify grievances against President Donald Trump. Okay, so like um, lists trying to justify that Trump is like Hitler. For anyone to be like Hitler requires pretty much one thing. It requires carrying out literal genocide. <laughs> a right. list, sure. A list, a list missing, you know, literal genocide is not believable. <laughs> and okay, that brings us to tip number five. And that tip number five is look out for uh, Godwin's rule of Nazi analogies. Um, Godwin's rule is this thing on the internet. And it, and it indicates in terms of forgiveness that if people aren't forgiving, Hitler's name will come up pretty quickly, especially in like online, online conversations, uh, because Hitler is the international symbol for guilt. And so Nazi analogies are great when the objective is guilt projection. So watch out for those. Right. Uh, Very interesting point. Okay. Okay. Tip six is look out for straw man arguments. When you can't talk about someone or their ideas without misrepresenting them in a way that makes them easy for you to refute and deem guilty, well, that's unforgiveness at work because it is guilt projection at work. That's why I'm a big fan of getting as many sides to a story as possible because otherwise you get sucked in to this one side guilt projection cult uh, view of things and it's just full of straw man arguments that you never even recognize until you see the other side, what they're really, they really have to say. So that's, I like six. that tip six is really important to get to not prejudge again and get a well, yeah, right. get a, a well-rounded view and try to understand people. Yes, very good. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a way of uh, combating the first law of chaos. <laughs> yes. You're never really going to completely combat it, but if you make some, you know, if you actively try, you're, you're that means you're probably forgiving because you're being willing to open up your mind. And uh, forgiving is, see, like all these little, we all have all these mental prisons, these, uh, beliefs that are not necessarily grounded in reality and their mental prisons. And the beauty of forgiveness is that uh, it's the, the big prison that all that inhabits all our little mental prisons is unforgiveness. And so if you practice forgiveness, you just start breaking down all the mental prisons and you're open up a big to... door wonderful way okay. to look at it. You break down all the mental prisons. Oh, we have so mm -hmm. many, don't we? Okay, go ahead. Yes. These are good. Okay, and finally, tip seven, and we kind of already touched on this. Look out for making the illusion real. You know, <laughs> it's a big uh, one. <laughs> right. A subject like politics, like most activities, is the realm of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yes, this Titanic, you know, in your life, you're going to die. Uh, countries aren't going to last forever. There's going to be, you know, all sorts of stuff happen. The universe has an end. The sun will blow up eventually. So 
So, you know, it's maybe a slow sinking Titanic, but you're on the Titanic. And whatever you, you gain in this world, you have to protect against losing because it, because it is all fleeting. So, you know, what do you really care about getting stuff in this world and fixing it up and trying to build your own little uh, low entropy oasis? So that's what the lower entropy, lowering entropy game of this universe is all about. Uh, the lifeboat is not external. The lifeboat is in the mind. If, if we change an external thing, but the mind doesn't change, the problem just shows up elsewhere. It pretty much has to. You, you can shift around the form of the ego script, but you can't really change it short of true forgiveness. So whatever problem you perceive out in the world, remember that not only is the problem merely perceptual in the big spiritual picture, but even in the, the little picture, it is often purely perceptual. Um, even though I like to study and keep track of illusions, uh, I like to study economics, physics, you know, that's all studying the illusion. I like it. I enjoy it because I'd rather, you know, at least get close to what's actually the rules are of the illusion than, you know, just making them up. So, but I remember to not make them real, you know, most of the time. You know, I, I can slip up, you know, I'm not enlightened. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my goal... We all slip up, don't we? <laughs> we vacillate my, between yeah. the ego and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. mind all the time, don't right. we? Right, yeah. That's what we're always doing. But, you know, my goal, and I definitely committed to it, is to undo the entropy of the mind through forgiveness, not rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. And it's weird because, you know, my life trajectory, um, I probably would have millions of dollars right now if I had not have found A Course in Miracles. And uh, and I I, I hear a lot of people say that. (laughs) It's it's true because um, it just completely screwed up that kind of ego drive. Uh, yeah, drive, for, you know, yeah. the, the lower entropy, you know, I, I didn't, it's just, it's, just, it's gone. It's weird. But, Gary, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you reminded me of something funny that my brother-in-law Gary says um, sometimes because um, Gary, even for those who know him, um, is extremely um, popular. And for those that don't know him, he is one of the more uh, popular people in the in the course community because his first book, The Disappearance of the Universe, had such an impact. But he jokes, Alex, and he says, yeah, I could really be wealthy if I went out and taught everyone how to make a million bucks and right, just said, yeah. hey, here, here, read this. This is how you can make a million bucks. And he always jokes about it because it doesn't matter if people actually make it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most yeah. people won't, but people are attracted to these things in the dream. And I want to make a point that mm-hmm. um, it's not, we, it's not that we don't pursue things in the dream and that we, we wouldn't, they wouldn't be in our life script if we weren't interested in them and pursuing them. But your last few statements, Alex, are so key. The lifeboat is not external, it's internal. All our problems are perceptual. Eventually, things fall apart here because that's how the world was made. Yes, we have our good times mixed in. Yes, we can have wonderful times. 
And we do enjoy our life when enjoyment is called for in the script. We absolutely do. But at the end of the day, if you're studying A Course in Miracles and this is a path for you, your salvation is not in anything in the world and you're not making it real. Alex, mm-hmm. this has been so awesome. I am so grateful to have your perspective and putting things um, for those that can understand it with a scientific mind, with a keen mind like like you do. It really helps people know, you know, how deep kind of this web <laughs> of the world goes, and we can get lost in it, can't we? <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, I encourage everyone to read The Universe is a Dream, The Universe is Virtual. It gives you yep. – it gives they're you comic such books. a – And the, your comic books. It gives yeah, – they're cool. Such a, they're so cool. And it's such a lighthearted way to understand this message, you know. Um, Alex makes kind of uh, physics, science, and everything made easy with his illustrations, totally sticking to the non – duality that is the course's message it's a purely non-dualistic system which recognizes god as the only reality and everything else is of our making and we are the actor director producer of this holographic time space dream as the collective one son that believed that we could be separate from our creator and that collective one son is splintered (laughs) out into billions and billions of forms, which includes the bodies we see, including our body and this individual existence we have taken on seemingly when we side with the ego and choose the ego's script. The body is a part of that script to experience separation. So, Alex, thank you so much again for all your wonderful input. And we got through all your forgiveness tips. And um, I'll be looking forward to talking to you again real soon. And I want to say to all the listeners out there that you are loved. And be well. Blessings. And I will see you guys back in August. Take care, everyone.